rejoice and be glad in it. Thank God for this second Sunday of the month. Father God, we magnify you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that you have been, that you have done for us and keeping us and protecting us through your word and in through your spirit, God. We magnify you. We thank you. We give your name the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you can also listen to us on Breaker Podcast, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, PublicRadio.com, and also Spotify. Thank God for podcasts. And thank God for allowing me to convey message to the world and we thank you for technology that can get us out into cyberspace and spread the word of God when some people can't make it out to a church they can go on live streaming and still hear the word of God on today's text is about anxiety and depression can erode your life. Anxiety and depression can erode your life. Anxiety is a physical, is physically, anxiety tends to cause an activation of feelings and sensations rapid heartbeat, sweating, the feeling of panic, and depression may cause an absence of feelings and sensations, loss of interest and pleasure, low self-worth, and low energy. Anxiety causes activations of feelings and sensation Depression has the absence of feelings and sensation, loss of interest and pleasure, low self-esteem, no self-worth, or no energy at all. So anxiety and depression can erode your life. Anxiety starts off by uh, tapping into your feelings emotions and sensations and they cause rapid heartbeat, sweating, the feeling of panic. You're always in panic mode or paranoid about something or worried or you are in fear of something that you think is going to happen to you or about you. So Anxiety taps into your emotions and then attacks the emotions. And then when you act on these emotions, then that's when anxiety takes control of your life. 
in other words, it can decay your life or it can alter your identity because of these feelings and sensations and the feel of panic. And depression is the opposite of that. Loss of interest. In other words, you don't have any emotions at all. Loss of interest and pleasure, low self-worth and energy. So you don't have any feelings. You're just depressed and you just gave up on life. And some people, I hate to say it, die of depression because they're so full of being depressed and just take them away from the earth. And that's a sad thing to say because depression is the one that also can allow you to have sickness and disease because the more that you are depressed, you lose interest, no pleasure, low self-worth and energy. You don't have to, to you, according to depression, you don't have anything else to live for. So you fall deep into depression. Some people become homeless or some people can have jobs and still be depressed and working the day-to-day, -day, having a normal life, but on the inside of them, they are depressed and it's eating their identity away from who they truly are. And your purpose has died. You don't have any more drive in your life from anxiety and depression. And you become paranoid. Anxiety is the distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune, according to psychiatrists. A state of, according to the psychiatrists, a state of apprehension and psychic tension occurring in some forms of mental disorder. So anxiety and depression are diagnosed as having a mental disorder in the secular world. But in the spiritual world, these are spirits that are attacking you, but the psychiatrist cannot say that anxiety and depression are spirits because they are in the secular world and they did study and research on mental disorders. So they concluded that anxiety and depression are a mental disorder. Anxiety, reading this again for you, distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. A state of apprehension and psychic tension occurring in some forms of mental disorder. This anxiety and depression, and depression or sunken place or part, an area lower than the surrounding surface. In other words, you just just just, just went just to your lowest state, sadness, gloom, dejection. And of course, according to psychiatry, a condition of general emotional dejection and withdrawal.
In other words, you withdraw it from whatever feelings that you have. Sadness greater and more prolonged than that warranted by any objective reason. So in other words, you don't want to hear anything. You just totally depressed of whatever's going on in your life. And you just have given up. But God is a good God. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, anxiety and depression is our spirits. And we are wrestling against anxiety and depression on a day-by-day -day basis in real time in your life. You're going through something, and whatever you're going through with, sometimes anxiety enhances your feelings and it enhances it to fear of danger or misfortune. And some psychologists say in the sociology platform is that you have self-fulfillment prophecy. So anxiety tries to force you into self-fulfilling prophecy or your feelings of fear, danger, and misfortune. And depression also operates in a sunken place where you're just, just in your lowest state of mind. And surrounding surface sadness, gloom, just gloomy. Have you ever met someone, uh, oh God, here they come. They're going to be talking about this, and they're going to be complaining about that, or they don't, they don't have any uh, motivation or trying to just come out of situations that the enemy has put you in because you are in a battle. As long as you are on this earth, you are fighting against spirits that's trying to stop you from your purpose or your goals or things that you want to do for God, you have a desire to want to be someone in God, or just uh, just being a Christian all within itself. You are going through a battle because we are in a spiritual warfare. So we're dealing right now, I'm talking about the text on anxiety, and depression. In Proverbs 12, 25, in the, uh, in the uh, King James Version, it reads, heaviness in the heart of man make it stoop. In other words, it makes you low. But a good word makes it glad. Now, in the Amplified reason, 25th verse, anxiety, which is heaviness, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good, encouraging word makes it glad. Now, my ministry is called Words of Deliverance. So I really focus on words and 
when you hear God's word, you can get delivered. So I'm bringing to you words and also words of deliverance. In Proverbs 12 and 25, heaviness, anxiety in the heart of man make it stoop. But a good word make it glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. You become heavy. But a good, encouraging word makes it glad. And then if you want to go on and read that 26 verse, it says, the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduces them. So, when you're going through anxieties, just remember that it weighs you down. And also remember that seek for encouragement. Be around positive people that can encourage you when you are being attacked by the spirit of anxiety. Encouragement. Encouraging words. It makes you glad. So it makes you happy when you can hear someone motivate you into encouraging with encouraging words and that draws motivation and it gives you power because of the encouraging words. Now, the Bible says that we have to encourage ye one another. So the reason why we have to encourage ye one another might because we are going through certain things. Don't let nobody tell you that's living on this earth in real time that they are not going through anything. They are lying to you because everybody is going through something. It might not seem something to them, but they're going through it. Everybody that's living on this earth on a day-by-day basis are going through something. So don't let them lie to you and have you think that they're not going through something. They definitely are going through something. That's why the Bible says encourage ye one another. We have to encourage ourselves as well because David encouraged himself. So when you're going through anxieties and depression, encourage yourself. And not only encourage yourself, but hang around people that can also encourage you. And then you encourage them. If someone you see that's depressed or full of anxiety, encourage them. Why? Because we need positive thinking and we need positive words that's flowing in and out of our life. So we need to cast out the spirit of anxiety and the spirit of depression. Now, 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, in the 7th verse, we're going to read 1 Peter. You see, the thing is, here am I. I know I have to explain myself all the time, but I am a teacher, so I take my time, and I want to make sure that you get all the information that you need 
in order for God to bless you and have ministering angels to enhance what you have heard. So when we're done with this broadcast, you can still be ministered to because of the teaching of God's word. So we're talking about anxiety and depression can erode your life if you allow it. First Peter Fifth chapter, starting at the seventh verse, and this would be in the King James Version, and also in the Amplified Bible. First Peter.
if you go back up to that eight verse, it says, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. Now, when you see these feelings, or when you feel these negative feelings of fear, a negative feeling of danger, negative feelings of misfortune, make sure that you are alert when you see certain things that's trying to come into your life and decay it or erode it by way of anxiety and depression. It says be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, that enemy of yours, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But you read that ninth verse, but resist him. Be firm in your faith. In other words, don't give up. Be firm in your faith. Be firm in your faith. Although that that an anxiety attack has attacked you and is bringing fear, danger, and misfortune, be, be firm in your faith and acknowledge God in all your ways. Although you do feel that, you can deny those emotions, which is anxiety. Deny those anxiety emotions, but resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack. Attack, rooted, established, unmovable, knowing, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. Now, if someone again tells you that they're not going through anything, that ninth verse tells you that we all are going through something. You do not suffer alone. In other words, since you know that everybody is going through something, when you see them, you can encourage them. Even if you don't know they're going through whatever, whatever they're going through, even if you don't know their situation, you can just, just send out encouraging words to them. Just in a spur of the moment, just encourage them. After you have suffered a while, a little while, the God of grace who imparts his blessing and favor, who calls you to his own eternal glory in Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing will himself complete. He is the one that can complete you and confirm, strengthen, and establish you making you what you ought to be. Not what anxiety and depression wants you to be, but what Christ wants you to be. Making you what you ought to be. In other words, pursuing God's purpose. And then it went on to say in the 11th verse, to him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty, forever and ever. Amen. 
Now, I need to read that that tenth verse again for you. The tenth verse it says, after you have suffered for a little while. In other words, there is a seasoning, there is a season in suffering. After you have suffered for a little while, and it's not even long, it's a little while. It's a short time of suffering. The God of our grace. And he told Paul that his grace was sufficient for thee, who imparts his blessing. Here comes God in your situation. He imparts his blessing and favor who calls you to his own eternal glory in Christ will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. Not what you should be, what you ought to be. And the anxiety and depression spirits wants to erode your purpose. It wants to steal your identity. But your identity is spoken in that 10th verse after you have suffered for a little while. Then you go down to the latter part of it. Will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. To him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty, forever and ever. In other words, God is bigger and greater than the spirit of an anxiety and the spirit of depression. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You even don't have to lose your identity because God is there. Now, the 10th, the 11th verse, it says to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, that's the 11th verse, I'm sorry. So, what am I saying? What I am saying is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, anxiety, worry, depression, I give up. No, you, you don't give up. You don't worry. Why should you worry when God is there? He's omnipresent. So the enemy attacks you, but that is always a counter attack. And that's in God's word. Philippians, the fourth chapter, six and the seventh verse. And we're going to read that, of course, in the King James Version and in the Amplified Version. Philippians, the fourth chapter. By the way, this was our uh, Bible class session, but it, it is so imperative that this lesson get out about anxiety and depression because people are dying depressed because of their situations. They might have lost a loved one and, and still holding on to that pain and suffering. They're doing day-to-day -day things 
like going to work, paying their bills, but they're still depressed because they lost a loved one. And that depression can cause you to lose your life. So get out of that depression state because the Bible says in Psalms, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I believe that's Psalms 46 and 10. This just make sure that it's the right passage. I know it's quoted right. Psalms. Maybe this is the one when it says, Be still and know that I am God. Yes, be still and know that I am God. I would be exalted among the heathen. I would be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Psalms 46 and 10 was in my head, but the other scripture was in my head also. So Psalms 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am God. In your situation, be still and know. In other words, Keep the faith. Be still. Keep the faith. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted among evil spirits. I will be exalted in the earth. So be still. You may be going through. You may be suffering some things, uh, but God is still there. He's there. And the Bible also says that after you have suffered a little while, in other words, it's not a long term of suffering. It's a short term, a little while. Little means small. So little, a little while. Not long term, but short term. Because what? God is coming to your rescue with his angels and his glory. Thank God. Amen. Philippians 4th chapter. Now, 
verse, it goes on with instructions on how you should think. And the Bible says in the eighth verse, finally, finally, the completion of brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a of good report. If they be if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. That's the ninth verse. Now, the Amplified says, do not be anxious or worried. In other words, do not allow anxiety to attack you. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation. This is the Amplified, starting at the sixth verse. Do not be anxious or worried about anything but in everything every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving continue to make your specific request known to God and the peace of God that peace which reassures the heart that peace which transcends, transcends all understanding. That peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing, is yours. Finally, completion. Believers, listen. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word. Read that again, prophet. Whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repeat. If there is any excellences, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on an ongoing basis on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The ninth verse, the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. Practice. When you go on a basketball court and you play it in the game, but before you play in that game, what do you do? You practice. 
be repetitious in these things. Most everything is pure. Practice it. And not only that, when you practice it, it says, God is the, who is the source of our peace and well-being will be with you. So God will be with you. In, in other words, no, don't fret. Fret not thyself because of evil, evil doers. But just stand on God's word and just think of those things that was taught to the Philippians when Paul came to Philippi to deliver a message that they were going through certain things and Paul just told them to think on these things. Think on these things. Think on them. Think of them all the time. Continually. Be repetitious in your thinking according to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which you can also read down to the 10th and 11th verse. The tenth, read from six through nine. Six through nine. No, six through ten. Six through nine. Yes, read three, six through nine. Philippians, fourth chapter, six through the ninth verse. And it will bless you. And it will cast out that spirit of anxiety and depression. Now, see, people don't have to lay hands on you all the time to cast out spirits. Demons, or whatever they want to call themselves. You don't necessarily always have to lay hands on somebody and cast the devil out. You can cast the devil out by teaching and preaching God's word. Because God's word is a deliverer. When you hear his voice, which is his word that is written, you can become delivered. You can cast out spirits through his word. Prime example, it was a man that had a servant that was sick at his house. And the man felt like he wasn't worthy to have Jesus to come to his house. And he said, if you can just send your word, I will believe that I can believe that my servant shall be healed. So what am I saying when I just said you don't have to always lay hands on people in order for them to be delivered. You can just speak God's word or teach God's word or preach God's word or say God's word and people can become delivered. And the man, the servant, was delivered from his sickness before his master got to the house. Because why? God's word was so quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So if there's no, no seconds to God's word, God's word is so fast, it's faster than any second or mil millions of seconds that God's word can travel just that fast. So I talked about David. He was greatly distressed. First Samuel 36. Uh, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him for all of them were 
bitterness, each man for his sons and his daughters. But David felt strengthened and encouraged him, encouraged in the Lord his God. Now, I want to read that in the uh, King James Version. And we're still talking about anxiety and depression. So they try to uh, lay some weight on David because he was a leader and he was trying to blame David for Ziglag being burned with fire. And David wasn't having it. But he felt bad for the people because they lost their sons and their daughters. So he had to encourage himself in the Lord his God. Now, you know, people can say things and they can make you feel bad. Make you just feel bad. You just feel just bad. And they don't care how you feel. Because they're going to keep saying it until something happens. But sometimes that is not good because that can cause anxiety and depression. And in the King James Version, it reads, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because of the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathur, the priest, Amalash, sons, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. In other words, bring me hither the twelve tribes of Israel's representations to me. Bring me hither the ephod, the twelve tribes of Israel. The ephod is a vest and it has the twelve tribes of Israel on it. And David and Abathur brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, you can say to yourself, I am taking back what the enemy has taken from me. And not only that I'm taking back what the enemy has taken from me, I am taking back more than I had the first time from the enemy. Ninth verse says, So David went, and he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Basin, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bazar. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread. And he did eat. And they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs, like fig newtons, you know, that we eat now. Fig newtons. And two 
clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. In other words, he was being strengthened because he was, he was weak for not eating. For he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days. So he was on a three-day situation and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, Egypt, servant to a Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. So he was useless to his master. We made an invasion upon the south of the Chanaks and upon the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Cast thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. So the Egyptian brought him down, and David recovered all. And not only did he recover all, he got more than the enemy had took from them. So David and his people were more well off than the beginning of the things that was taken from them. So what am I saying is, okay, we're worried about things. Don't worry. Yeah, your car broke down, but you can recover that. You lost your job. Get a better paying job. You don't have to worry. Because in other words, God has your back. And keep your character. Keep your identity. And don't allow anxiety and depression to take over your life. We got Psalms, Proverbs 13 and 12. And it reads, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred. Your hope has been deferred. makes the heart sick. But when desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. In other words, when God blesses you, as I forestated, when he blesses you and, 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 and finds favor in you, which is the desire is fulfilled. In other words, the blessing and the favor. It is a tree of life. Psalms 42, 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become restless and disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him, for I shall yet praise him the help of my continence and my God. Whatever you're facing, God is there to help you. Why have you become restless and disquieted within you? Restless, rapidly hardening, fast hardening, anxiety has kicked in. And it's, and it's trying to offset the 
hope that you have in God. Don't let anxiety and depression offset your faith or offset your identity. Just like I used in uh, Bible class Wednesday, you have a slice of bread and there's mold on that bread. And if that mold covers the whole slice of bread, guess what happened? That bread loses its identity and what do it do? It dies. It dies. Because the identity is no more. So just say depression is a mold. Now, you can nip it in the bud. Some people, they see a mold, just, just a little part of the bread. They cut the mold out, and they still make them a sandwich. But some people just throw the whole bread away. That's what some of us do with people. We see that there is a mold or there is a sense of erosion in their life. We throw them away. No, don't throw them away. Encourage them and cut them off and have them to continue to live in a purpose. And if you throw them away, guess what's going to happen? The mold is going to grow more and more into that bread, even if it's in the trash, it's still going to mold more and more. So that whole bread is molded, and now that bread has lost its identity. You don't want your friend or your neighbor to lose their identity just because you see a mold. You see that mold, or you see their life being turned around into a, a negative direction, Give them encouraging words. Talk to them. Help them. Because what? We are one to another to everyone. If you can get one person out of the ditch, that one person will be more grateful than a hundred thousand persons that was in the ditch because that person was alone. You got a thousand in the ditch, they have power or they can come out of the ditch by way of standing on each other's shoulder if they're in a hole, a ditch is small. If they was in a hole, in a big hole in the ground, you got multiple peoples there. They can use themselves shoulder to shoulder, standing, climb up and get out. And then the last person that's on the bottom can pull itself up and so on and so on and pull itself up and pull itself up. Then the last person that's hanging pull him up. Now you, you have everybody out of the hole. But if you're in the hole by yourself, then you need somebody to lend a helping hand to get you out of that hole or throw a rope down and pull you up. So don't leave them in their situation because they're already going through. And if you push them away, it makes matters worse in their lives because they're already depressed. Psalms 42.11 Read that, Psalms 31, 24. B, 
Be strong and let your hearts take courage. All you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong. Yeah, we're going through, but we have to be strong. I'm going through certain things, but I have to be strong and not allow anxiety and depression to overtake me. I have God's word, and God's word has encouraged me, and all is well. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, and we're going to close after this. 16 through 17. Now, may our Lord, this is like a benediction. Now, may our Lord, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing himself, and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting comfort and encouragement and the good, well-founded hope salvation by his grace comfort and encourage and strengthens your hearts keeping them steadfast and on course in every good work in word so second Thessalonians keep that in your heart Read that. 2 Thessalonians, 2nd chapter, 16, 17. Just the last two verses, mid chapter. Thank God for his word. Thank God for binding the spirit of anxiety and depression with his word. And we cast it out in Jesus' name. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting comfort and encouragement and the good, well-founded hope, of salvation by his grace. Comfort and encourage and strengthen your hearts, keeping them steadfast and on course. Somebody say within yourself, in your heart, that I am on course with God in every good work and word. Every good work and word. Comfort and encourage and strengthen your hearts. 17th verse. And that's in the Amplified. So I want to read that in the uh, King James Version. Sixteen, seventeen. 17. I can read at the, uh, I can start at the 15th verse. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have being taught, whether by word or our epistle or by that. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which have 
loved us and have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, every good word and work. So, what am I saying? Keep God's word and every good work that God does for you. Remember that he's there. David said one day when he was in this situation, he was going through certain things, and he said that I thought on my ways and I turned my feet unto thy testimony. In other words, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet unto God's word. I thought on my ways and I turned my feet unto thy testimony. Unto thy word. And that's the only thing we live for. Because it's meat. It is food for our soul. This is what's going to keep us in this spiritual battle, God's word. So if you're getting attacked by anxiety, fear, danger, or misfortune, which is anxiety and depression, you just giving up on your life, don't give up. Because the very God of peace is there. Just get into his word. Fasting and prayer, get an understanding and rebuke the devil because he doesn't have any power. But what he do, he does, what he tries to do is get into your subconscious mind. But the word of God is there to block what the enemy is trying to do to you. So you can do it. You can hang in there, wait, anticipate until God makes it happen. And it's in God's time that it does happen, not your time. Just be still and know that he is your God. And he will be exalted. Amen. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us the ability and the power to wait on your word. Thank you for, for giving us the desire to anticipate what is about to happen in our lives. Keep us in our purpose. Keep us on course according to your word. And we magnify you. And we thank you for your manifestation. And we thank you for revelation knowledge. And we cast out all fear.
God for that song, for that inspirational song of not wanting to be poor no more. No more poor. The Bible says that the poor that we have with us always, but after they hear the word of God, then that person that which was poor once before, now can live in wealth because he learned the attributes and the steps of becoming wealthy through God's word. But yet and still there are more people that are poor that's going to be poor with us always, but not the people that's going to be poor all the time. So BBJ was saying that he didn't want to be poor no more. No more credit at the corner store. Not only that, there is more to this life. Amen. Thank God for his word. This is the Bible study night, Wednesday night Bible study. And we thank God for the Bible study. And today, today's topic will be the power to wealth. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this Bible study. We thank you for the time that you have given us on this earth, and we magnify you. And we know that you do exist in our life, and we thank you forever. We always will give you the praise. We thank you for this word. We thank you for revelation knowledge. We thank you for having a hedge over us, protecting us from the enemy. Though yet we go through different trials and tribulations, we have a mind to wait and believe in you because they, the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And God, we ask you right now that you strengthen us and give us the keys to success. And we bind the spirit of lack, the spirit of discomfort, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, depression. We magnify you and we give you the glory because we accept the spirit of God in our lives and we confess that Christ died and rose the third day and had all power given to him the power over death and the power over all the power of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus, for that being that you sacrificed your life for us and now that you sacrificed your life, we in turn have to sacrifice our life into giving you service and bring all the captive out of captivity. In Jesus' name. And that's through your word. Amen. Through your word. And we thank you. And uh, today's text is Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter starting at the 18th verse. 
Well, Deuteronomy 8 and 18 is the text. And it reads, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. In other words, as is it as it is this day, that means in real time. In this day, the day that we're in now, we are in real time in God's word. God's word is also in real time. And that's why he said that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as is as it is this day, real time. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Now I want to read um, start off by reading the Amplified, Amplified Bible. Get some information on that. Deuteronomy. Thank God for Bible study. shall remember with profound respect the Lord your God for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant which he swore solemnly promised to your fathers as it is this day. He made that promise to Abraham and he promised that he was going to bless his seed we are a part of this seed. So we don't have to be poor anymore. We don't need any more credit at the corner store because why? God has given us power to get wealth. Now, in order for us to get that power, we need to follow instructions on how to get the power. And once we get the power, then we get the wealth. It's step-by-step -step basis. This is like going to school for a trade or going to school to become a doctor or a lawyer. There are steps and there are studies. So what we need to do is study the Word of God and find out how to get the power that He has given us to get wealth. Now I want to read to you from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8th chapter, 15th to the 20th verse. And this is in the King James Version. It reads, Who led thee through led thee through that great and terrible wilderness? Talking about the slaves that, that were in Egypt, wherein were forty serpents, were I'm sorry, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint who fed thee who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee 
to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. In the 18th verse, the key verse of this chapter, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day in real time, and it shall be if thou, and it shall be. In other words, he's saying in real time, and it shall be. Just like when he spoke and said, let there be light. And he saw that it was light and it was good. So he's, what God is saying right now is that, and it shall be. Just like the light. When he said, let it be light. It shall be. If thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before you, before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye will not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. All God wants you to do is to be obedient. In other words, when he make a covenant with you, abide within that covenant, be obedient. Because if you read in that 18th verse, when he said that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Now the covenant was already set. So what we need to do is get into the covenant that Abraham had with God. And, you, and once you get into the covenant of what Abraham had with God when he was upon the earth, then you are a part of his seed and you just need to abide in that covenant. In other words, do not worship idols. Put God first. This is what he's saying. Now we also have scriptures uh, First, Chron First Chronicles 29 and 12, Ecclesiastes 5.19 and Hosea 2.6-8. Now we're going to go back to that, uh, but I do have Chronicles 29, 10-14 up, and it reads, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. He blessed the Lord before all the country, in front of everybody. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. In other words, if we abide in him and he abide in us, then we're part of that covenant that Abraham set forth with God when David said, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness he's given God his glory and the power and the glory and the victory. 
In other words, we already won. We just need to abide in covenant and the majesty and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and the earth is that Heaven and earth is his. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. God is the head above all of us. And that's why we need to understand certain things about getting wealth aside from worshiping idols to get wealth or have some kind of thing that's going on in order for you to get wealth. But you don't need those things. All you need is God to give you power to get wealth. You don't have to worship other gods to get wealth. You don't have to have idols. You don't have to bow yourself to Baal. But just recognize who God is and ask God to help you to get the wealth that you're supposed to have. Everybody should be rich because of the father Abraham that made the covenant. Now, it said, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, which ye are the Messiah the anointed one, and the anointed, which is Jesus Christ, for all that is in the heaven and earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. And thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches, talking about wealth, both riches and both riches and honor come of thee. Both riches and honor, both riches and honor come of thee, come from thee, of thee. And thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great. God can make us great, and to give strength unto all, unto all. God can give us strength, although we're going through certain things we still can receive strength. We can still walk with our head up, though we are going through trials and tribulations. And the 13th verse says, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. In other words, what God has given us, we're turning it back and around and giving it back to God. This is what David is saying, for all things come of thee. It came from you. The wealth came from you. The riches came from you. The honor, favor came from you. And of thine own have we given thee. In other words, we give it back. And that's when the, in another comment it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be meat in my house. Prove me now therewith. 
that I would not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. So, from all things come of thee. All the blessings and honor come from you already. And of thine own have, and, and of thine own have we given thee. So, we can give back, we can help one another, we can help people that's in need, that's giving back, that's uh, showing God that we can be part of his Godhead by him giving to us, we can give to others. And not only give to others, but when we give to others, we actually are giving back to God because we are doing the things that God would do for them through us. So it's, it, it works in that, in that circle. 1 Corinthians 10th chapter, 22 through 28. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than, than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not. Expedient, in other words, conducive to advantage or interest as opposed to right. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify. But all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, and asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord, and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to be a feast. And ye be disposed to go. Whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered and sacrificed unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now we're going back to what David was saying. When David spoke in the book of Chronicles, when he said that unto all, God is is the one. He's he's for he's for all things come of thee. So right here and these things given charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, oh I'm reading Timothy. Sorry. That's first Timothy five before we get to that. Here is when Paul was talking about it's okay to eat certain things for, for conscious sake, but if they tell you that this is for the sacrifice unto idols, then eat not for his sake, then show it. And for conscious sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
Now David said the same thing. The earth is the Lord's. All is done. Now, we need to be good stewards. Uh, when we do become wealthy, we need to be good stewards. We need to give back. We need to also uh, recognize certain things that come your way when you have money. It's a lot of temptations and you have access to a lot of things because you have what? Wealth. You're wealthy. So you're going to be tempted into different avenues to distract you from who is the one that had the power to give you wealth. So be careful when you become wealthy. Uh, just make sure you stay focused, be alert at all times, continue in prayer, because money doesn't change you, but you change money, and when you change money, you change your money into the hands of becoming a good steward, and not only becoming a good steward, but using your money wisely and, and helping God's people because of the wealth and good stewards. We have to be good stewards. In 1 Timothy 5, 4 through 8, talks about the good stewardship. It talks about stewardship. But if any, this is a widow, have children or nephews, let them learn from so, learn to show piety at home and to requite their parents. In other words, respect their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusted in God and continue in supplication and prayers nightly, night and day but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. Now we can, we can tie that in with the prodigal son but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. Now the prodigal son got part of his inheritance and he went off because he thought he was grown and it was time for him to leave. So he wanted part of his inheritance so he can go. And his father gave him part of his inheritance and he began to live a pleasured life. In other words, life without bound boundaries, partying, uh, going to clubs, just having a good time. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Now, the prodigal son was dead while he was doing all of this. Dead while she lived. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house. He had denied the faith and his work worse than an infidel. In other words, you worse than a, a Gentile or a great sinner. Infidel means unbeliever. So you're worse than an unbeliever. Seventh verse, let me read that again. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. 
8th verse, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own household, which is his children, wife and children, he have denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So you're worse than an unbeliever. In other words, you don't have any faith, you don't have any God in your life, and you're not providing for your household. Now you have some men that when they have children, um, they begin to uh, have anxieties. And some men leave their wife and their children. They abandon them as small children. And they don't see their dad until they're older. And then when that child is older, guess what? That child has a grudge against that dad because he was an infidel. He didn't have faith in God and he didn't believe that God can help him provide for his family. So he was worse than an unbeliever. He had denied the faith. He knew the faith, but he denied it. You know God, but you're not acting upon believing in God. You know of God. A lot of people know of God, but they don't have the faith in God. But they know of God. And some people talks about God but yet, they're operating in their own ways of doing things to, to, to try to accomplish things yourself. But it's not you that's going to be accomplishing things. It's God that's, that's giving you power to give up. So if you become a lawyer, God gave you power to study, to become a lawyer. And then lawyers... Well, they're not wealthy like most people, but they have a sufficient income that comes in uh, mightily. Now, also, there are investments that you can make. If you uh, scroll over to Matthew, the 25th chapter, the 20th and the 21st verse, and actually it's talking about the ten talents. And it was the one that had the five talents made an investment. And it reads in the 20th verse. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, look, I have gained Besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now, when God give us wealth, we need to make investments. We don't have to bury our talent. One guy buried his talent, and when his Lord came back, and he saw that he buried his talent, guess what he did? He took that talent and gave it to the man that had invested the five talents and got five more talents. In other words, he got 100% profit and the talent that was buried from the man that didn't make any investment.
investments. In other words, you have money in the bank. You can't allow that money to be lazy money. You have to have that money to make more money. In other words, make investments. Invest in real estate. Invest in stocks, bonds. Invest in a business. You want to take that money and use it. Give it legs. Send that money out to bring more money in. In other words, you send the money out to bring in more friends, which is money, more money. So that's what you need to do. There are a lot of ways to invest, a lot of ways you can invest your time in study, or if you wanna learn something, like public relations, if you wanna be a public relator, a speaker or someone that wants to set up that sets up events, they have studies for that. In other words, what am I saying is that you can go to school and learn a trade or learn a, a career or get into something that you like doing. Just learn about it. If you want to own a limo service, learn how to become a limousine owner because there are certain things that you have to do when you have a limousine service you have to cater to the public so that's part of public public relations also so what am i saying what am i saying is that god give us power to get wealth. now you can you can sit at the table write out things that you want to be done Make it plain to yourself and to your, your spouse, if you're married, and to your children. What are you trying to do? You're making it plain while, where the whole household can understand what you're trying to do. You have the plan, and you mapped out the plan, and you have a supporting cast. So that supporting cast, the wife or the husband and the children can support you into becoming, to, to pull in the goal that you set out when you made it plain on the table. So make it plain. And remember, always remember in the back of your mind, in your subconscious mind, that God is the one that's giving you that power to get wealth. And then not only that, there's an everlasting covenant 1 Chronicles 16, 15, and 17. Be ye mindful always of his covenant. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac and have confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. In other words, we are a part of this covenant, but we have to recognize that, and not only that, we have to recognize it, we have to believe that. Now when trials come, it comes to distract you from becoming who you are or becoming who God has a purpose for you in this life. 
And it's going to take wealth to carry out some of these assignments. It's going to take money to carry out assignments that God has given you. Now, if God has given you an assignment, guess what? God has to give you the power to get wealth to get that assignment going. You can't do anything without money. Solomon says, money answers all things. So if you have money, then you have the answer in the business and in this situation. But of course, God is above all and all, but money answers all things while we're on this earth. And that's why if you look at the world as a whole, it's all about money. The politicians, money. People that's going to work, what are they going for? Money. People that's robbing and stealing, what are they doing? They're trying to get some money. They're trying to get money. So just make sure you're in the covenant, the everlasting covenant of God that he has given Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And not only that, he, he commanded to a thousand generations. Now, a thousand generations. You have in your family your husband, your wife, as an intermediate family. That's a generation. Then your children is the second generation. Then their children is the third generation. Then their children is the fourth generation. So imagine a thousand generations. I'm just talking about the household. But in the household, you have two generations. You, your wife, is the first generation. And your children is the second generation. So if he's saying he commanded to a thousand generations, what makes you? You are part of that thousand generation. And that, that is a lot of generations. And we thank God for being a part of this covenant. But we have to recognize and have an ear to know that God is the one that gives us power to get wealth. And we have to remain in that covenant and understand that the wealth is there for a reason. Not to just say you're rich and you got money. You need to apply that wealth and sow some seeds in, in, in people's lives and not only sow seeds in lives. Just so you, some people have a heart of building homeless shelters or building uh, shelters for veterans or battered women's shelters, giving back, foster children, giving them a home or giving them a place to stay until they get a home. So what, are, what am I saying? We need to take care of God's people. He said in his word that I was hungry and you didn't feed me. So what is he saying? 
he is a part of that person that was hungry. So what am I saying? Feed them and they won't be hungry no more. So we thank God for his word. We thank God for the Bible study. Now, if you want to write these scriptures down, Deuteronomy 8, 18 is the text. Deuteronomy 8, 15 through 20. You got 1 Chronicles 29 and 12. Ecclesiastes 5, 19. Let me read that. Ecclesiastes 5, 19. I'm going to read that it's in the Amplified. See what it says. Ecclesiastes 5.19 Thank God for Bible study because we need Bible study and the 19th verse reads also every man to whom God has given riches and possessions he has also given the power and ability to enjoy them and to receive this as his alluded portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God to him. For he will not often consider the troubled days of his life because God keeps him occupied and focused on the joy of his heart and the tranquility of God indwells, indwells him. And the, tra tw the tranquility of God indwells him. So the 19th verse, listen at the 19th verse. Also every man to whom God has given riches and possession, he has also given the power and ability to enjoy them. And if you read in Timothy when he said, God give us riches all things to enjoy. So he, he, he charged them that are rich in this world. But at the same time, God give us richly all things to enjoy. So in other words, there is power to wealth. And God has given us that power to give love. And whatever that you have now, and you get it legally, then God has given you that power to give wealth, or giving you power to sustain yourself. Not everybody is wealthy, but God still supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, Bible study. We thank you for just being who you are. And thank you for supplying our needs because without you, there's nothing. And we believe that you are the author and the finisher of our faith.
close out with this one song. Thank God. Here's a song that is an excellent song. Thank God for this, and we're going to close out. And we're going to continue to magnify God. Listen to my podcast. 
So we're on podcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, RadioPublic.com, and Spotify Podcasts. And the podcast is under A.D. Jackson for your search. And <clears throat> let us begin. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this service. Thank you for the opportunity to convey your message with revelation knowledge and that every soul that is under the sound of my voice will hear and understand what the Spirit is saying to the church. We thank you for just being who you are and we thank you for knowing, giving us an a, a eye to see, an ear to hear, and a mouth to speak those things that be not as though they were. We thank you, God, because we know that you do exist in our lives, and we know that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the chief cornerstone. You are the one that has the last say. Solomon once said that they cast lots upon the love. But the disposing thereof is of the Lord. In other words, you have the last say. And we thank you for having that last say because the judge can say no, but you can convince or send a thought to the judge to change his decision. So we thank you. 
Jesus' name. Our text and message for today is the power to get wealth. And there is power to get wealth. Who power can you have to get wealth? God said in Deuteronomy 8 and 18 speaks about the power to get wealth. And we thank you, God, for this message. And we're going to get into it. Consider God that he gave you the power to get wealth. And we know that he gave us the power to get wealth. What I'm going to do is read Deuteronomy 8, starting at the 15th verse through 20. And it was about the uh, slaves that was free from uh, Egypt. And they began to think that they, got, they had received their own powers to get wealth. The 15 verse says, Who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness 
which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to, the, to, to do thee good at thy latter end. In other words, until the end of time. And thou say in thine heart, listen at this, and thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Now, people in real time today are saying the exact same thing. They're saying that my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And according to Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter and the 18th verse, and it reads, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he has, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day in real time. And it shall be, if thou do all, if, if, do, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you that this day that ye shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Now, God has given you the ability to get wealth. He has given you instructions on how to get wealth. Now, in real time, these days, people are attending school. Why? Because they want to continue in a steady income and become uh, <clears throat> wealth can be measured through just having a steady income or a, a, a consistent cash flow. So if you're gainfully employed, then God has given you that power to continue to be gainfully employed. If you are a real estate investor, God has given you that power or the ability to become a real estate investor. If you invest in stocks, God has given you that ability to determine which stocks to invest in. It is He, God Himself, Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, that has given you the power to get wealth. So when you're saying that you're getting these things on your own, then you are a liar, and the truth is not within you. So what am I saying? Acknowledge God. Thank Him for giving you the ability, the power to get wealth. There's a lot of people right now are homeless because they have given up on their life or um, according to the secular world, some of them have bad credit and they can't get a place to live or some jobs won't even hire you if you have bad credit. And then not only that, some have bad backgrounds. 
and which is sad because you served your time. Yes, you have a felony, but that should be in the past, and you should be forgiven these if you're trying to do the right thing. But since you have a felony, and people, some employers do not want to hire you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go back into your criminal ways, or you can set your mind to start your own business, because we live in a capitalist society, and you can start your own business. All you need is a tax ID number and start your own business. You can do business as whatever name of the company that's on that that's attached to that tax ID number. So the best thing to do if you have a felony, start your own business if you can't get a regular job because there are opportunities for you to still get wealth. Now, First Chronicle, First Chronicles 29 and 12, I'm going to read that. Chapter 29, and verse 12. And it reads, But riches and honor come of thee. This is David talking. But riches and honor come of thee. In other words, but riches and honor comes from you, God. And thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might. And in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, if you go back to Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter and the 17th verse, read what it says. And thou said, Say in thine heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Now David recognized that God's hand, if you read the 12th verse again, but riches and honor come of thee, and thou reigneth over all, and in thy hand. Now, he's saying in thy hand, in God's hand, in your hand, God. Jesus' hand and the Messiah, the anointed one, in his hand is power and might. Now, you go back to Deuteronomy 8 and 17, it says that my power and the might of my hand. But David gave God his due benevolence, recognition that. In thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand is it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, for all things come from thee. Of thine own have we given thee. So you given to us, and we give it back to you. How we give it back to you? We give it back to the poor. We're feeding the hungry. We put the clothes on people's backs. We are giving back. 
God has given us the wealth from the power and the might of his hand and in turn we bless him by blessing his people for we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were all our fathers our days on the earth are as a shadow and there is none abiding 16 verse O Lord our God all this story that we have prepared to build thee an house for thine holy name come up of thine hand and is all thine own. This building, yes, it has stewards over this building, but in reality, God owns this building. Because he said the cattle and a thousand eagles is mine. So it always also says that the earth and the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein, therein. So we don't technically, we don't own anything, but if God give us the power and the might of his hand to bless us, then we ought to appreciate what God is doing in our lives. And not only that we appreciate it, we can give back to him by being a service to people that are less fortunate. First Chronicles 29 and 12 through the 14th verse. Ecclesiastics and 5th chapter Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion. Somebody say, God give me my portion. And to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life because God answered him in the joy of his heart. God answers you. 18 verse, Behold, look, listen, that which I have seen, it is good and come before one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. So, the Bible also says, Muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. In other words, if you put this ox to work, then it's okay for him to eat some of that corn. Why? Because he is the one that's doing the labor. So muzzle not the ox that tread out the corn. So in, in, in essence, this is what the 18th verse is saying. Behold that which I have seen, it is good enough, good and comely for one to eat and drink and 
to enjoy the good of all his labor. So the ox can enjoy eating the corn. So muzzle not the ox that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him for it is his portion. So whatever the ox eat, he's just taking his portion because why? He is the one that's putting in the labor. If he's hungry, let him eat. He can't eat all of the corn. You can still prosper from the corn, from the labor of the ox. So muzzle not the ox. In other words, you have employees and you know that you can pay them more, don't underpay them. Pay them of what they're worthy of. If you're an accountant, then you have an accountant's reward. If you are an NBA basketball player, you are reaping an NBA reward. If you work for a call center, you are reaping the benefits of a call center representative. So enjoy the good of all his labor. Enjoy, in other words, enjoy what you're doing. Whatever job you're on, enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, then find something that you can enjoy doing and getting paid while doing it. And that's Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. And if you want, you can say 18 through 19, down to the 20th verse. For he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answered him in the joy of his heart. God answered him. See, th th a lot of things that happens to us, we suffer, we go through certain things, we have financial problems. You don't necessarily have to have financial problems. What you need to do is make some moves according to God's word and make it happen. Start your own business. Become a real estate investor. Start a limousine service. You can do whatever you want because God has his power and his might in his hand to release you with power to get wealth. Hosea. Now Hosea is a situation when God told him to marry a woman of whoredom. And Hosea married a woman of whoredom. So uh, what happened is that she was thinking that she was getting things on her own, but she wasn't she thought she was. So we're going to roll over to Hosea. Now this is a teaching situation. This is not preaching or screaming hard or getting loud. But the, the message is still powerful just through God's word alone. And I thank God for that knowing that his word is power, that his word is sharp, than any two-edged sword. 
very sharp. So Hosea, second chapter. Six through eight, and it reads, Therefore, behold, look, listen, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths, and shall and she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. Now, she, she thinking in her heart that her first husband was supplying all her needs, for she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold which they prepared for Baal. Now, if you listen at this, here's the thing. Here's the situation right here. And people are doing this in real time when they get blessed. And this is what they do. For she did not know that I gave her corn. Now, the Bible says that the Lord reigns on the just as well as the unjust. So listen at this eighth verse. For she did not know that I gave her corn. I gave her that car. I gave her wine. I gave her that house to live in. And oil. And multiplied her silver and gold. I even gave her the bling bling. Which they prepared for bell. Now you see what happened? You get all of this that God has given you. But you have not recognized it. God giving it to you, so which they prepared for Baal. Now Baal is an idol or a quote unquote God to certain people. The devil, the enemy. So when you get things, and then you begin to party already. Like this is tax season, so some people get the income tax then they want to throw a party. They want to get high, smoke, drink, play cards. Why? Because they got the income tax money. So they're thinking that they can, in essence, party, but in real time, the devil is being pleased with that party because you are doing things that's not common according to God's word to worship him in, in truth. But you're partying like the prodigal son did and he went off and just partied all his money away. Now, when you get your income tax, invest that money into something where you can build upon it. You can invest in stocks, bonds, 
or you can even invest in uh, a car and become an Uber driver or something. I mean, you you want to you want to build your money. You don't want to just blow it and then you don't have anything left. So now you're back into the state of mind that you were in before you got your income tax money. Therefore, when I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and my wine in the season thereof, like first, and will recover my wool and my flax, given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. And no, and none shall deliver her out of my hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her figs. Thereof she hath said, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. Wow. So make sure that you're protecting your finances and not lose them because of unnecessary things that you're doing that is not lawful and that you are not investing in the right things. You have a man that had five talents that was given to him. What he did was invest those five talents and get five extra talents. So he profited 100% off the five talents. Then there was one guy that was given one talent and he buried his talent and he did not invest it. So the uh, employer got upset with him because he didn't invest the talent. So he took the one talent from the person that did not invest it and gave it to the one with the five talents. So, what am I saying? The money that you have that you're not investing will be taken away because there's no investment. Since there's no investment, then the money is laid dormant and then it dwindles because you're using it to pay bills and then now you can ran out of cash because you didn't make any investments. So we need to make investments through the power of God, through his hand and his might for us to get wealth. And we have to be good stewards in doing so. Now, Chronicles, 1st Chronicles 29, 10 through 14. Um, it reads, the key verses is 12. 1st Chronicles 29 and 12. Now I want to read Chronicles 29, 10 through 14. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of, our, of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, 
is the greatness and the power and the glory. See, David has magnified God because he knows who his source is. God is his source. That verse says, Thine, O Lord, is the generation, the greatness and power and the glory and the victory. He is the victory and the majesty, the anointed one and the anointed. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Now, that key verse, again, both riches and honor, come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thy hand it is to make great. Somebody say, God is going to make me great through the power of his hand and might. Amen. And to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee, we praise thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer and willingly after this sort? For all things come from come of thee, come from thee, and of thine own have we given thee. We have given this back to God because he has given to us. Because what? Both riches and honor come of thee. And he reigns over all. So we thank God for his might, for his hand and his might. Because he has given us the power to get wealth through his hand and might. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 22 and 28. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient, conducive to advantage or interest as opposed to right. In other words, just because it's there and you see an opportunity and you know it's not right, but you do it anyway. Why? Just to get some cash out of it or a ungodly cash flow. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own. In other words, let no man seek the might of his hand, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in their chamber, chambers that eat, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to eat a feast and ye be disposed to go, whatever is sent before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. But listen at this verse here. The 28th verse, listen. 
But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Now if you go back to where the uh, Israelites was saying things about Baal and um, Hosea's wife was, was, was doing uh, uncommonly things committing adultery in other words uh, just giving Baal the honor and the glory for their riches no you can't do that and then someone is is having a feast and they're saying that this is a sacrifice unto idols, then you don't have to eat that. But if someone gives you a feast and it's just a regular feast, no, no idols involved, then yes, you can eat for conscience sake. But if they're saying they're sacrificing these, this meal to idols, not only meals, even your riches and your wealth being sacrificed to idols. Now, here is a situation in the street life where people sell drugs. They're selling drugs to get a cash flow. But at the same time, those drugs are considered idols, cocaine, heroin. Those can be considered doing things because those drugs carry spirits and those spirits carry demonic forces behind it which is the enemy but you're getting a cash flow but you're not getting a godly cash flow you're not investing in real estate but you're investing in drugs and what's going to happen either you're going to die in the midst of being a drug dealer or you're going to go to prison for a long time. And you may get life in the federal penitentiary just because you were, quote, unquote, selling drugs. And now there's a drug out here that's killing people in our land. They're mixing the drug of, of heroin with fentanyl. And the fentanyl is killing people because it's too potent to even be laced, and even if you just take it by, by itself, it can really kill you. But you're mixing it in heroin, and heroin is a downer, and the fentanyl just puts put you down like a, like a dead horse. You can die instantly when you snort or shoot up the fentanyl. So, the people that are selling those are going to get life sentences because they are killing people in the street, which are heroin addicts, and they're hooked on drugs, and they're going to take a chance because why? They want to get high, and you cannot get away with selling drugs. If you think you can, you got it wrong.
because somebody is telling on you, and not only that they're telling on you, you are under surveillance. Whatever car you drive, whatever truck you get, whatever home that you have, even if it's not in your name, the federal government knows you. They know you. They're watching you. So instead of doing something illegal, do something positive. Invest your money in things that are positive. And then not only that you can invest your money in things that are positive, you can give back to people that are in need. And a good steward, 1 Timothy, 5th chapter, 4 through 6, but, but if any widow, talking about a woman that was once married, husband died, have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusting in God, continue in supplication and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Prodigal son did the same thing. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the truth. In other words, he had, he had denied the faith. He had denied the faith, denied the truth, and is worse than an infidel. And an infidel is the unbeliever. So if you're worse than an unbeliever, what shall come of you? The Bible also says that judgment first begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall it end be to them that obey not the gospel of God? So, listen at this. He had denied the faith. He had denied the truth. He had denied God's word. And his worth than an infidel is, and is worse than an unbeliever. In other words, judgment Come to the house of God first. And if it first come at us, what should the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Talking about the unbelievers. Make your investments. And be a good steward unto that. And here's the thing. God has given us, whether you want to believe it or not. God has given us an everlasting covenant. If you read 1 Chronicles 16th chapter, 15 through 17, and I'm going to close. Be ye mindful always of his covenant. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac and have confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel
for an everlasting covenant. So who are we? We are part of Israel. And we are a part of the thousand generations. So get into God's covenant. If you're not in it, just tell God to add you to this covenant that he had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because listen to this first part of this verse. It says, be ye mindful always of his covenant. Think about that. Think about that covenant that God has with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And not only think about it, knowing that you are a part of that thousand generations that are included in this covenant. It's an everlasting covenant. There's no limit. It's everlasting. So get into the covenant of God that he has given Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and be blessed. Let God be the power in your life. Let his hand and his might give you that power to get wealth. Because God is good. And we magnify him. And we thank him. And we glorify him. Thank you, God, for giving us the covenant that you have given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Give us the ability from your hand and your might to get wealth. And we thank you and we magnify you because I first have to be partakers of this message. This message is not only for you guys, but it's also for me. And I thank God for it. And I'm waiting and anticipating the wealth that God has stored up for me and my family and the generations to come. And it's going to start from me. It's going to trickle down to my children and my children's children. In Jesus' name, I pray because that is a thousand generations that are attached to this covenant. And you can raise your hand and say that I am attached to the covenant that God has given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for an everlasting covenant. Thank you, Jesus. And we magnify you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. And it is so this day in real time that you are going to bless your people.